1: Hello oh, and welcome to Malden 02148. I was thinking as I was waiting to come on that, uh, that there used to be a radio sh- uh, program on in the middle of the day, On, if I remember correctly, it was on Saturday, and it would start with a voiceover, there was a, uh, it was called the Naked City, and basically with the over, over voice would indicate there are 8 million stories in the Naked City and this is one of them, and I think probably since yesterday... There are eight million naked stories in all the cities. So and in any event, my guest is today is the city clerk, Gregory Lucy. And um went through a hectic day as many people did that was affiliated with the city or associated with the city in the various capacities. But one of the things that was more different this year, more confusing for this election, even more so than really the primary in September is how the votes were counted. Normally, it's it's people go in, they vote. If they're not able to go to the elect, uh, election site on the day of election, they can get an absentee ballot from City Hall if they're out of town or if their health is a problem or whatever. And as long as it's a, a legitimate reason, uh, it's usually acceptable. And this year was somewhat different, both for September and November. But maybe if you kind of give us a recap before we get into the numbers from all the... How does it play out yesterday in terms of how the the voting was set up in, in order to accommodate those people that didn't go? So, you know,
2: people people talk elections as in, like, election day, but it was really election month. Um, so what the city did and through the state and every city in the state, there was 14 days of early voting. So that was from October 17th to October 30th the Senior Center. So it was 14 days of that. And then we also did mail-in voting, like, as you said, because of, because of the COVID and what's going on. You done, it, it, it's an absentee ballot, but it's called mail-in ballot, really. With, you don't need any excuse why uh, you, you need to um, get the ballot ahead of time in the election like an absentee ballot you would. So anyone w- was able to uh, apply, you, had, you needed to apply with an absentee ballot, the state um, for the primary. And the, what they did in the primaries, every registered voter in Malden, they mailed out a mail-in ballot application when those came back to our office for the September 1st primary, it gave you the option, do you want it for both elections? 95% of the people chose both elections. So we entered all those applications for the primary. 95% of those people, we also put them in for November. The state turned around, and anyone that didn't request a ballot for November and September, they resent the ballots out. So I, I think in the primary, we roughly, and I'm, I'm doing it from uh, my my. You know my memory. We had about ten or eleven thousand uh, mail-in ballot. No, I don't think so. We ended up with about nine thousand that were returned to us. So, but we had probably 10,000 10, or eleven thousand or so that requested the ballot. So, any so if there's thirty-five thousand registered voters in the city of Marlin, which there is nowadays, you take off those eleven thousand requests. The state turned around and for the November election, they sent out twenty-four thousand people. Uh, the mail-in ballot application again so they could request the ballot in November. So we ended up uh, mailing out over 15,000 mail-in ballots. We didn't get 15,000 back because what happened we saw even on the early pri- early voting, people wanted to vote at the senior center. So although you got an, a mail-in ballot, uh, actual ballot, you could still vote in person. So, but we ended up probably getting about eleven thousand back, or twelve thousand back, uh, mail-in ballots. Plus, there was almost five thousand people voted at the senior center for that week. There was forty-five hundred.
1: Well, on the primary, those people that requested uh, a write, uh a mail-in ballot that covered both the primary in September and this election in November.
2: No, you had the option. Some people just, for some reason, maybe an error, they just checked the they checked the September. But, you know, like I say, there was a probably r- roughly 95% of the people just said all elections <laughs> for the year, so they automatically got a, a ballot in November. They didn't have to reapply in November.
1: But did that preclude them from voting in person in November by getting a...
2: No. So what happened was so it was an early learning center. Some people, you know, for whatever reason, and I and I mm-hmm. have to stress this, if people saw the process of the mail-in ballot process, it's the only way to go. And it's it's like anything else. If you give something to people, especially in voters, making it easy for people to vote, and they seem to adapt to it and like it. It's hard to take away. So that's something going forward for state and federal elections anyways. I think it's pre- they'll be pretty hard-pressed not to do mail-in ballots in the future. It's expensive, but, you know, you can look at the, the results, and people did vote by it. And I think, you know, one of the main things my office did was, you know, we, we set up the two drop-off boxes in, throughout in the city. We had one in, in City Hall, at City Hall, and one at the police station. For November, both were outside boxes, so they were at, people had access to those boxes twenty four seven. You know, whereas in the primary, it was such a it was it was like a last minute thing with drop off boxes. So we weren't able to get something that was on the outside, underneath the you know stapled uh, uh, in the cement, you know, uh, nailed into the cement and secure. So we kept the ballot box inside City Hall, but that that only means that people could only drop off their ballots during um, during, during City Hall hours. So this way here, for but we uh, we put them for about two and a half weeks. People had the ability any time of the day to put the put the ballots in the drop off boxes. That way, there, you know, if there's a problem with the mail, they don't have to be concerned about the mail. And people really liked it. So those drop off boxes. What I would do is every morning before I went to City Hall, I'd go go by the police station, empty those those ballots in there. Then of course the one at City Hall, we might empty it two three times a day, and. Just, just so people had a way of checking to see if their ballot was received. So, what we were doing because it was so important for people to get comfortable with the mail-in ballots, knowing that their mail-in ballots they're going to be received and counted. For you would scan. You have to scan the the outside of the envelope. There's like a barcode on the on the return address. That's saying that the ballot was returned to city hall, and folks could go into uh, the, the, the secretary of state had a website trackmyballot.com you could actually go on that site, which many, many people did, and you can see if the ballot was received. So the idea was to get the confidence of the people that the system does work. As soon as we were getting those ballots back in those boxes or through the mail, we were scanning them in so people could go in the next day that they dropped off something and they could see that, geez, the ballot was received. You know, hopefully they would tell other people that they did it. You know, it's just a, it's more or less spreading the good word because – at that time, you know, you, you, you're you well aware that there was all sorts of, uh, you know, nonsense uh, coming out, especially from Washington, that the mail-in ballot was fraud and that sort of thing. It was—and it, that, that's all it was, was nonsense. So people had it in their minds because that's what we kept on hearing from people. They didn't want to mail it. They didn't trust it. And, you know, we got a lot of that, like, say, early voting. You know, people were coming in saying, I did get a mail-in ballot, but I'd rather vote in person. So we still got some of that, but I think by the end of the process— especially the people that use it, and there was, there was you know, roughly it's something new. so Something new, and we get it. We understand it. That's why we were diligent about making sure that, you know, to, to get the confidence in people that this is the way to go, especially with what's going on. And I think by the end, the people that did the mail-in ballots and used the drop-off boxes and even mail them, I think they had a lot of confidence in the system. So going forward, I don't think it would be that, you know, the big uh, question mark out there, geez, if I get this, if I mail it, am I, if I drop it, are they going to get it? We got them, you know, and, we, and, we, and, and they got processed, so.
1: Now, uh, the um, on the boxes, when, once they were set up, they were, tw- uh, uh, they were City Hall was limited to business hours, but then eventually it was 24-hour? No, that was only in the primary. The oh. primary, we didn't
2: have the outside boxes. You had to buy the boxes. Okay. So, you know, the, there was a rush to buy outside boxes in the primary, but very expensive, you know, supply and demand. You know, no one really had drop-off boxes, so. And we did, there was just logistically, there was just not enough time to get one. So we did, you know, we did the next best thing at least, you know, allow people to drop off the ballots in City Hall. And we ended up putting one down the police station for the last weekend because it was Labor Day weekend. And this way, in City Hall was closed. So this way here, we put it on the website so people could drop it off the so police it, station. the election 24/7. was the next day after Labor Day. Right. It was really, right.
1: Now, um, Halloween Eve, did they have uh, 24-hour uh, options on the deposit of the of the b- ballot? City, City
2: you know, cities and towns, whatever your comfort level was. I, I know Framingham had a, had a police cruiser parked in front of theirs. Well, uh, the Boston belly. police locked theirs. They locked theirs. Well, Malden, we have a lot of faith in our people in Malden. We did not lock and oh. we kept them open. What we did was Halloween, we was several times during the course of the day, even it was on Saturday. The boxes were empty um, so that you know, if something uh, happened, say at uh, twelve o'clock that night, there wouldn't have been that many boxes in there. But at that point, the boxes were out there, and you know, we had we had confidence that, that that nothing would happen.
1: Yeah, because I, I mentioned that mostly because the, uh, the city of Boston announced ahead of time that the boxes were going to be locked at five o'clock. Yeah, and then it turns out they apparently. Uh, Locked them ahead of time. So people showed up at quarter to five, and depending where the location was, and they couldn't make, drop their bell because the box had already been locked. And then it indicated the next day they weren't unlocked until noon time, which I thought was kind of odd. You'd think there'd be Saturday morning or whatever. They'd be helping the people... Uh, uh, accommodated a, a, a but anyway and that,
2: but th- that's what it is accommodation so yeah. I mean the, the the thing is that that was the reason to have in the second box at the police station because if you had just one at city hall people from Linden and Maplewood had to come all the way down a down to city hall to drop off their ballots so this way here there was two ballots one for the uh, both sides of the city but you, you know if you if you if you locked them up on Halloween you know my my feeling was that it just you 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 you're, you're complicating the process for people we we'll roll the dice. Nothing happened, so uh, it worked
1: out. Yeah, and that thing in Boston was a, a, a an exception. That's I think the vandalism. we near the public library, where the someone literally put a some sort of a, a burnable item in the in the in the uh, depository, and then ended up burning up some of the ballots.
2: Interesting enough, he was arrested in the mall in the week prior for burning a dumpster. Said the again. same person, same person, that individual in Boston that did. If anyone doesn't know the story, that someone did uh, drop a, a flame into. Uh, a ballot box in front of um, th- um, the, public the library? Bu- Boston Public Library and it burned some ballots. And, you know, and, and when they gave the report, they had said that he had two other arrests for burning things. Oh, I didn't And see. he said one was in Malden. So I was actually talking to one of the detailed police yesterday at the polls, and he was the one that arrested him. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he was, you know, without going into detail, it was in the Broadway area, it was behind, it was a dumpster. Oh. And apparently, you know, he, he had... With the dumpster on fire, and he was kind enough just to sit out in front, so he was easy to catch.
1: Well, he may want to stay warm, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But. Well, if if it's the if it's one of the people that pick up, because it, on if was Broadway, there, there's a there was used to be one of those tea, uh, bus stop shelters, diagonally across from the um, the fast food places on the same side as McDonald's. And I drove by one, and there were people I think actually were staying there, and they—I con- I know they congregated there during the day. And there was, in any event, I went by one day and it was gone. And someone said, "Oh, maybe they had to fix it or they t- or took it down because of the winter." I said, "Well, because of the winter, they should have left it up." But I said they took it down. I think because someone was living there.
2: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, you, you know, you hear, of, you know, even when that happened, you, you know, that's what you hear from people about burning the ballot boxes. But, you know, for the most part. You know there there was no problems with ballot boxes, and it was definitely the way to go and it's, it's it's all about convenience for people and I think it that that did it
1: I have the results here for Malden for the election yesterday, just to kind of do a summary um one of the things that caught my eye and my attention and it had been mentioned the other day the number of voters that were registered and of course it tends to increase because of a pres- presidential election year. It, it 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 I think it's mentioned it jumped three thousand votes since vote registered since the primary.
2: No, it was you no know, since two thousand eighteen. Oh two thousand. Okay. So, so so it wasn't three thousand. It was the twenty five hundred range. Yeah. Um, but that's still a significant. Well, even spike. the
1: fact is thirty five thousand yeah. registered voters, and that's that's certainly more than half of the city's uh, population. What's that? Thirty five thousand. Yeah. To well. Huh. And, And. Um, and seventy-one percent of the people that are eligible voted,
2: and that's that's for now. So that's going to change a little bit. So just, just so people are aware, what what happens with the uh, in this election here, they allowed ballots to be counted, and we're seeing some of this for the presidential race, countrywide. It's countrywide. Each state does things different, but Massachusetts this time, what they did was because of the mail-in ballots, and because you were able to process ballots ahead of time. So one of the, you know, anyone that went to the polls yesterday, I mean, I, I was around. I was really pleasantly surprised. It was almost surreal how calm everything was. And that the, the thing is, we got so many absentee, uh, some mail-in ballots back, it, we, we processed over 15,000 ab- ballots before yesterday's election. So the only part people that voted, you know, that counted yesterday was the people going to the polls, and then I'm going to explain the other ballots now. But So it took the pressure off of a presidential election at the polls. So I know in, when 71 percent. So there was almost there was 24,000 people change, you know that 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 voted. So we processed 15,000 of those 24,000 ahead of time. So 9,000 in, in in you know the odd number went to the actual polls. So that's the th- those results last night that you put out the election night are called unofficial results because they're not official. So what Massachusetts did this year is any ballot that came in November 3rd, which would be any ballot in the the two drop-off boxes. Plus, anything we get in the mail today up till next Friday at 5 o'clock that's postmarked November 3rd, those ballots will be counted. So we probably had about 700 or 800 ballots in the two ballot boxes. So last night at 8 o'clock, I stood at the one at 215 Pleasant Street, sent somebody else down at the police station. You get this time, you both to time coordinate at 8 o'clock. You open up the, the latch, you take out the ballots, and those all ballots would get counted. I haven't got the mail today yet, but when that comes in, anything postmarked November 3rd will get counted, which would be anything in the mail today. Tomorrow would be a different story because you might get some November 4th postmarks. They will not be counted. So it has to be November 3rd. So we we have about, I, I, you know, rough guesstimate about 1,000 ballots that still will be counted on Saturday. The 1,000 ballots will get added to those figures uh, that you're looking at, and that will be the official results.
1: Now, um, after 5 o'clock yesterday, excuse me, after 8 o'clock yesterday, the boxes were emptied. Boxes were empty. Uh, did you check
2: today and see if there's anything any in there? I didn't. I didn't have time. Because uh, the thing is, I, I, I'm not going to go in there probably until we, we separate what we have now. When we get it down to the, t- to the tabulation part, and then I'll open the boxes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to start taking out yeah. ballots that aren't going to count because then there you have ballots that aren't going to count. Why mix them up for the? Yeah.
1: Not that it would m- have much of an impact, but it, I, I think one one of the things that could be done is if someone forgot to mail their ballot in yesterday and they realize it. Yes, uh, well, let's say they realize it today. Uh, if they use a meted mail and backdated it, they could then make you, it seem if as if they did it on time. Well, but but there that wouldn't would, be that would be the
2: postmark, though. So the postmark, the post office stamps the ballot, too. Oh, they, they so do. So you can put whatever you want on the meted stamp, but then the postmark would be the postmark. Of oh, the
1: actually, because I didn't think they postmarked yeah. all the meted mail. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and
2: I, you know, in the, in the thing about voting, listen, the, you know, people showed up at 807, 801, wrong polling location. You know, we were getting calls up to you know in the office from 7:30, saying, "Well, you know, where do you know where do I vote?" Uh, And uh, you know, I just you know, unfortunately, I just look at it like, "Shame on you," because there was just so many opportunities to vote, and all that's out there in the news. If you really wanted to vote, you'd never wait till 7:30 or quarter of eight on an election night to wonder where you registered to vote or where you should be voting or show up a poll. It showed up a poll at 8:07, and so.
1: Just some interesting trivia for for elections. The top vote getter in Malden of any of the people that are running for office was Ed Markey. Correct. I was
2: just guessing. You're looking at the sheet. I'm not.
1: That's right. And the uh, and uh, the second top, the second second from the top vote getter in the city of Malden was Senator Lewis.
2: I'm surprised at that. Okay, yeah, so I haven't th- jumped in the, the numbers. The
1: third now. one was. Um, Terrence McCarty, that's the one that really surprised me. Impossible. Yeah, I know it. I'm looking at. The, unless my eyes are dimmed. Let me see that. that and then the right. fourth one was <laughs> Vice President that. Biden. <laughs>
2: 18,627. Geez, he, he, he didn't do that well in the primary round here. No, anything.
1: that's what caught my eye. I was <laughs> really, really surprised. Uh, but there were some other elections that were involved, obviously except aside from the president, f- from the senator. From the Congress and uh, Catherine Clark did well here too. She usually does. Yeah, she's very popular um, and w- worked at the job. She, uh, I saw her um, on television the other day with the League of Women Voters from Winchester. But anyway, that was when. Uh, but she had an opponent, so that of course maybe be a factor in what her total was. But uh, P- Paul Donata had a run. He was unopposed. Steve Altrina had a run. He was he's unopposed. And in both cases, they did better than average in terms of their vote versus the blanks. And that's sometimes what you look at if you're a a candidate for election, how many people didn't vote at all for me. Um, The other aspect of that was also that um, you have a a representative from Melrose who has one precinct in Marlin, which is the one where you live, and that's Catherine Mm -hmm. Gabbardinia. And... uh, Actually, she did for someone that doesn't live in the crew, She did pretty well too. We're a
2: friendly bunch in five
1: two. Yeah, that's what it is. That's right. But she's a visible candidate, model, too. Even though she's she, uh, she does, it.
2: but it's hard for it's hard for her. And I know we've talked about. it. I know Paul Brody had that seat before he became mayor. And I, mean, I, I, you know, for someone that worked at it, Paul didn't. Worked at it hard. He showed up at everything in Malden, and I, I used to kid him saying, Paul, you got one precinct. I don't know why he go to all these things. Yeah. But it's hard when you're one precinct. After, even after all that, you, Paul represented us, I think, for six years. I think if I checked my neighbors who, who, who were active and they vote every election, I'd be surprised if they, you know, a good part of them probably wouldn't be able to name the rep because it's, it's just not a Malden name like an Altrino or a, you know, Donato, although he's from Medford, Paul's got the four precincts, and Paul just being Paul's been around... You know, for 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 a lot of years. So, you know, his district certainly remembers Paul.
1: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, in in well, Paul's case, Paul. uh, yeah. he his office called me more than once. Uh, and as it turns out, Ward Seven is split between two state representatives, and they called me. That I thought I, I was taking. I, I was in his district, and I wasn't. It was they were looking for volunteers at different times, and I got I was on the call list. So.
2: But they now, so, so they're, you know, Steve Altrino is a good friend of mine, so I, you know, I could speak to him quite, uh, you know, f- frequently. And, you know, they have some issues going forward with the redistricting because the reps are going to be redistricting. So right now 5-2 might be in Melrose or you may be in Paul's district, but there's some numbers, cr- you know, they're crunching the numbers there because the districts as you know, has to be only so big. And uh, the, the popula- sh- population shifts in Everett and those around us and Marlin itself. The numbers look a lot different now than they did ten years ago, so there's going to be some changes with the districts.
1: Yeah, the the try to explain this in a simple manner. If you once the federal census is complete and the determination is made uh, official or unofficial, of the number of people who reside in a community, and let's say in Marlin's case, we've been increasing our population, but you have 240 state representatives, and what they basically do is you divide the the state by 240, and that's the number of People each district is supposed to represent. But to allow for some flexibility, they allow a 10% deviation. So in the case of Marlin, uh, they think there's about 57,000 people, maybe, or 55,000 here in the community. So if you start doing the math, that means there's a big chunk of Marlin is going to go elsewhere. Now, whether Right now, we we're represented by um, th- three different state reps, and it's possible we could have two or four, depending on how they have to match and mix and match the the, the populations. But uh, when you think about a five-four, and, and um, Ward has a what three has a precinct, they're the top vote-getting uh, top vote voting groups in the community, and yet. 5-4 is in Melrose. 5-2. So you're going oh, by I'm the old 5-2 when
2: those four precincts in Ward 5. Yeah,
1: that's right. I'm back at my show my age. But I mentioned at one time there were four precincts in Ward 5. So I'll give my pitch.
2: 5-2. We, we like Kate, but I'll speak for me personally. I hope we get back into the Marlins. Yeah,
1: that would, that would be good enough. And um, um, there's a couple of other, I, which is, uh, I didn't find out until um, – about a week before the primary excuse me before the final and included on the ballot is the regional vocational school representatives and i you know I, I think i pay attention most of the time what's going on in government but number one is that confused some people because that was to take up a big part of the ballot number one and number two it's hard for me to fathom why they'd have that office Number one, running in a a partisan election, particularly at a a presidential election. And more important than that is why would the 12 communities all have representatives listed to give you a choice to vote on? Because as I mentioned in my last show, it would be possible that someone from a community could get the majority vote in that community. But because of a a well-known name or some confusion the part of the voters, of those eleven other communities voting that in all the communities, so it's possible you get the most votes in than, for instance, and you could lose the election
2: you are hundred percent right because there's one thing on you know I noticed on on early voting, so the two weekends the two the two Saturdays two sundays I was actually was down in the early learning center with people in voters, and you know you, do, you know working the the polls and if there's something that really confused people was all those uh, northeast folk seats. I mean, you, you take the population Malden where there's a, there's a high immigration uh, population. There's there's language barriers. And there's one thing that, you know, people, some people when they're coming from other countries, they don't understand the voting process many times like we would understand it. So, so many people took that ballot and they'd come back and they'd say, they'd look at it. First of all, it was intimidating because they're going, in people's mind, they're voting for, you know, the president and you know, maybe the Congress, but they're not, maybe the local rep or the state senator, but they're not thinking of all these names on this ballot. And, And if you looked at the ballot, it was almost, if there was three columns on the ballot, they were almost two full, two full columns. And people, nobody knew anybody. They don't know anybody on that board. They don't even know what, for the most part, what the vocational board is. And it was very intimidating. And people, some people thought they had, they had a you know, fill in the circle. Fill in the circles. They they had to vote for. It. They didn't understand. They did not even know what the the who the people were. They they you know no no recognizable names. They didn't even know what the seats were. So it was it was you know I I think it was really a disservice to the voter because number one, it made the ballot look overwhelming, which it didn't. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand why. You know, if you got to put the Malden rep on there, it's it just cleaner. You know, why put twelve different communities where? Nobody, there's no campaigning with those seats. So you know, why would anyone know up in who the rep in
1: Wakefield is or Reading or? And an incident. What's worse than that was if you looked at that, they it, it it really confused even people. I think that are somewhat sophisticated and have voted a number of times over the years. Is first of all in two of the instances of the communities, one of which was um, Winthrop, and the second one was. Um, Winthrop the two W's there was no one writing running as an as a standing office in that job in other words it was blank so it was a matter of a a write-in candidate and uh, in fact when I got read the local advocate this past week um, I saw a couple of ads in there for people from the regional school for the Marlin advocate I'm saying gee I wonder why they would spend the money well it turns out they were, one of the names as I recall was from Winthrop, so he was obviously looking down of votes outside of Winthrop, and um, and even as it turns out, uh, there were with because of the nature of that office being almost invisible, the person that was listed for Marlin was not the incumbent. They were, in fact, to my knowledge, I don't recall at all the prior person sitting in that job even uh, made a public announcement that was in the newspapers that they weren't seeking the reelection. In which case, they People sometimes when they're leaving an office will acknowledge they're not going to run again and thank the voters for supporting them in the past. That didn't happen at all. All of a sudden when you get the the, the 12 communities, you had a name in there that was not a previous name in this position. You found out after all well, the incumbent didn't run again. But again— To make you feel any better, I'm the city clerk,
2: and I didn't know that. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, so it was really—it was, it was, a, it was the, probably one of the better-kept secrets of the election and, season. And to
1: think when you, when you look at that for people that, as, as, the, uh, as Greg just said, who uh, uh, are fairly new registered voters and sometimes uh, English is a second language— uh, f- to to get it to get a ballot where you get all those names, sometimes people feel they have to vote. They do. They felt like some. Yeah. Many people thought they had a vote yeah. for
2: the, in order for the ballot to be accepted, they had a vote for everybody that ran. You and, know, in a, in a an and election.
1: the uh, and just as a point of interest, the person in Marlin who, who was a former office holder of the school committee, um, had a th- a th- almost a third of the votes uh, blank. So again, that's an that's a suggestion. That never mind the fact that uh, uh, it, it wasn't incumbent running against uh, uh, someone else. or more important than that is that the voters looked at them didn't care because it didn't matter.
2: I think you'll find when the when, the, when those twelve seats as you got voter fatigue, as the more people they go they went down the list, so they may vote for the first one, they might vote for the second one, then they vote you know they they're not so quick to vote for the third one, the fourth one. So what happens is. It's almost like T by the
1: time you get to twelve, they're not no interest because they don't know who anyone is, anyways. Yeah, well, I, I, one of the one of the representatives has been in for many years, and he's got an insurance agency in another community, so that may have been more of a reason why he got as many votes as he did at Malden because he maybe people can have his insurance with him. But uh, uh, there was also, in addition to all the voting for individuals, there was two ballot questions. One of which had been on the ballot before, but I guess there's some legal technicality they had to replace they had to put it on again tons of money was spent a ton and without going into a lot of detail, that was the for question number one and what the concern was is it appeared that if if it it didn't prevail that it the 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 other argument was was well, you're now going to be paying more money. You get your car fixed because you have to. If you have a newer car, you have to take it to the dealer, and and they charge more than the guy that you've been going to for years. That was one thing. And if uh, if you were a it, you would try to help out the local people, be competitive and and, and more convenient. So that that was it. The other question, uh, I'll I'll save for a moment. But I guess that's pretty much what it was with that first one. The other one was about that uh, system of tier voting, which is very confusing. And that that might point out it didn't pass. One one passed and the other didn't pass. I thought that was going to pass. Actually, the two. Oh, well, did you? I did. I, I thought it would. Um, the, the reason, um, first of all, I don't. Th- I voted against it. so did I. And the and the reason I voted against it was because, um, and I talked a little bit about that with my guest at the, my last show. Um, for a lot of people, it, it would be so confusing. And then what was cited, well, they do it in Maine now, and they do it in Cambridge, for instance. Well, Cambridge even has a mongrel brand that they do where, basically what it is, if you have five people running and the top person doesn't get at least 50% of the vote, then what happens is... The bottom person is dropped out, and they take their votes and they spread them among the other people. That the the people that voted for that fifth person who gave preference to was second or third or fourth choice. I don't think that happens a lot. I think of people when they were strongly for someone, they might be strongly against someone, so they might even mark off three other people, but they're not going to mark off even the fifth person at all. And, and I, I think it's, it 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 doesn't serve the purpose. I think a better option, and I've mentioned this in the past, that um, uh, people run as a, as an individual slate without factoring in party designation. And then if the top person doesn't, which is done in a lot of states, and supposedly they keep saying it might happen in Georgia with two Senate uh, races, if the top person doesn't get at least 50% of the vote, then the top two people run off in the, in either a, a November or in a special election, because in Massachusetts, if you look across this thing, there's there's only a handful of state senators who are Republican. I think there's six, and in the, in the and in the House, there's a hundred hundred and forty state represent hundred and sixty state representatives, and there's only like less than forty, I think, Republicans. So almost all the Dixie people run unopposed anyway, hmm. and. Uh, the same is true, even the governor's council. So anyway, that didn't pass, and I'm glad it didn't. So that took care of that, and uh, that's all done. That was kind of easy. That was it worked out easy in, Wait, in the city. you get the trial
2: run in September. We trial run in September, and, and so much was done prior to the election. And, and I, you know, like I say, the we we were done at ten o'clock last night, which is unheard of for presidential election. Unheard of that you you, po- you all the polls are closed. You get the equipment all back. Um, and you're good to go, and and it just, you know, I, I was talking to Karen Anderson, which she can vouch for about probably the last 35 or 40 years anyways, and she said that's the earliest she's ever seen for a presidential
1: election. Well, and, and beyond any of that, and uh, uh, the city clerk is sitting here, uh, If you, anybody that locally reads the, uh, the Advocate, which is the free paper, by the way, so it's sometimes... Gives you some news. Uh, there's the the we have Marlton has two choices for weekly for newspapers: the Weekly Observer, which is really a Reading Wayfield newspaper, not a Marlon paper, and and the Marlton Advocate, which has uh, some decent information and some informative stuff in it. Marlton was rated one of the voter-friendly cities in the country. I saw it. it was in the country. Yeah, yeah, We were ahead of Somerville. I I don't know if there was another Massachusetts. It was. Yeah,
2: um, yeah. I don't, I don't even know who that organization is, but we'll take really, it.
1: Consider what has gone on at, at the national level, and uh, I, I don't know if you have to leave, but I do. Uh, I do. <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I used to put this up, and um, it was just—I was actually—it was, it was a gift within the family, and it was hard not to uh, utilize it when I did a show because you know someone gives you a gift, they intend you to to, 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 to take advantage of their generosity. So I'm now going to have to put that down. And and there are two reasons for that. Before the Democrats decided who they were going to have as a VP nominee, uh, it ultimately came down to two people, one of whom was obviously the the senator from California, and uh, the second one was Susan Rice, who had been the representative of the United States at the U.N. and had a a good resume. And in my confused logic, uh, uh, someone and myself had placed a bet in Vegas of who was going to be the nominee. And with odds of 6-1, to one, I thought S- uh, Susan would be a good uh, bet, and I thought she was going to get it, the, the nomination. Well, obviously, she didn't. And the, and the Vice President Biden, uh, for his own reasons and, and, and practical reasons, and more than that, maybe to suggest that he has a different way of viewing people that don't always agree with him than the current president because he had some differences uh on uh, very public in, in in the when they were doing the uh campaign nights before the nomination uh for the vice president but in any event so that was the first time I was wrong and so then I had another opportunity more recent for the presidential to to uh estimate what the electoral college difference was between the two candidates that were running yesterday and after my doing as much research as I would not normally do, I made my choice. And I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it was far off the mark. And uh, uh, I don't know. It would probably be premature to determine who is going to win this pool. But it, what's going to be kind of interesting, one of the, one of the people who was involved in, in, in his own calculation was trying to figure out how many of the people within the group had picked Trump ahead of time. And I said, none of them, I said, because even if they support him, not when it hits their pocketbook. Well, it could be that he's been reelected. So anybody that, that might have among the group of people that uh, participated in this poll picked Trump, they would have a, almost a an monopoly. On a, if there was only one person of the group, they would obviously, regardless of what the choices were, they would have won if they picked Trump. Maybe I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't.
2: If he wins, if he wins, well, I, at the last the latest numbers I I saw, which was right before I came in here, I, I would suggest maybe Biden might win. Well,
1: yeah. well, uh, Trump is uh, going to the Supreme Court, and 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 Biden was optimistic that let the process fall fall through. I, I think if it came to that, and it's so narrow a victory, this would be a great test for the Supreme Court because. If you can recall, in Florida, when Vice President Gore was running for president, they started to have a there was a challenge that was initiated for Chads, which was a a type of ballot that was used in in one county in Florida, which was different. The margin of victory was a a little over five hundred in total, five hundred votes in the whole state of Florida, and at some point the supreme court for the welfare or whatever reasons, they decided they stopped the they stopped the contested ballots and the counting and it ended the election gore withdrew obviously because he was the supreme court was the last stop and it ended up bush became the president by virtue of the results of the supreme court ruling he might have been anyway but they didn't allow it to linger and so what we're facing now is that Polls have been done for for weeks and months, and President Trump has really never got much more than 42% of the vote. And yet, the other thing is a little bit interesting, the most recent count that I saw was that in spite of the the negativity related to uh, Senator Hillary Clinton, her margin of the popular vote versus Trump four years ago, as of today, is greater than Biden's spread between him and and uh, Trump today.
2: Did yeah. you know that? Yeah, I didn't. But I, I'll give you one last thought that I do have to leave. Is you know you've you've mentioned polling um, several times in that whole uh, you know discussion, and there's a reason you know the, these presidential candidates they do internal polling. So last night, were two in the morning, when I'm still watching CNN to catch the voting, you look at some of these states where you know Trump was winning by. Two hundred twenty-five thousand votes in Michigan and uh, you know other states where he had a big lead and they weren't calling the the, the winner because there's still there was still votes to be counted. And every vote has to be counted. So the idea that you know on a, on election night on a presidential election night they count all the ballots. You know on election night is just it's just nonsense. And there's a reason why Trump went on the news at two thirty. And declared victory because he oh, did do that at 2:30 in the morning. Because his internal polling would have shown Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, 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 Wisconsin, uh, you know, all these states that it looked like he North was in Carolina, good shape. Uh, which he, he's going to win probably North Carolina, Carolina anyways. But there's a reason why they didn't call all those states when he he had a big lead because when in Michigan, if they still have to count Detroit. And in Wisconsin, they still have to count Milwaukee. You know, it's all those, there was a, a, a mail-in ballots, which Democrats would tend to use the mail-in ballots. It's a known fact. So the reason why they weren't calling them, because those numbers were going to change. And that's the reason why you have to let every vote count. So if it takes another day or two, so be it. Now, you look at the numbers. I think Biden, and I, I could be wrong, but I think he's even looking good in Pennsylvania now. I mean, if he didn't win Pennsylvania, and he just took Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, yeah,
1: Arizona. In Arizona, he would, which he would, did, because he, he
2: got three out of four in Maine. To let, to, 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 he'd win two seventy to two sixty nine, right wow. on the number. Wow! So now, you know, hopefully, he'll take Pennsylvania. Just, I mean, the, the numbers are what they are. They let the boats count. If It's two seventy to two sixty nine. So be it. Yeah. But you know, it'd be nice to win Pennsylvania because it does give him a little cushion.
1: Right.
2: And uh, like I say, there's a reason why you make. Uh, you know, you're declaring victory when not all the votes are counted, and uh, you're still behind on the electoral votes, and
1: you're declaring victory. So. Well, that could have be established a legal case, too, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I, uh, Greg had mentioned polls. And uh, as a further elaboration on polls, um, as I mentioned, they've been doing them for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's been, been an element that's been fairly constant, and that was the 42 percent or so that Trump had for um, the votes in terms of the the population. What happens in elections is that four years ago, and currently is more true, there was about six states that made up the difference. In the West Coast, with California, Florida, and Oregon, they were blue or Democratic. On the East Coast, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, even to some degree New Hampshire, were blue because that's the of voting system. But a lot of the in between part of the world, of uh, it was tend to vote Republican. And so when they were doing those polls, it wasn't so much that the vote total was in favor of B- Biden. Is where the votes were because the, where they were was dependent on who got the electoral college. And I did mention in my last show before the election that if you carried California by a 1,000 votes, all of the electoral votes are yours. If you lost a state by that much, you didn't lose any more than the electoral co- vote. But if you carried a state like Michigan by 1,000 votes, you'd end up getting the 20 votes that Michigan has to, to give on uh, the electoral college. So California, Hillary Clinton, I think, won that by 3 million votes in the last election. And the total of Hillary Clinton nationwide was about 3 million votes more than Trump, but she didn't have the votes where they counted the most, and therefore she didn't win the election. But even the polls themselves, uh, giving you countrywide results, don't really give you the true picture of what the chances of someone winning. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal that was published on Tuesday, uh, or maybe it was even Monday. But sorry, it was must Monday. Where a pollster who predicted Trump won, would win in 2016 and explained, this was before the vote polls were, uh, we poll, polling places were open. Uh, that's why it was in the Monday newspaper, but that uh, why he was going to win yesterday. And it explained, among other things, that a lot of the people never get contacted uh, for polling purposes because they don't use a landline. A lot of people are, are uh, so caught up in the, the, the uh, with texting and uh, electronic communication that if you get contacted by by some research group, you're not going to spend the time talking to a stranger for 20 minutes. So, uh, a lot of the people that should have been participating in the process would never be either contacted or never reached, or, or ignore the call or c- cancel the call. So, y- it's hard to get a true picture of the, the persuasion of the public. And if you think back over the last year, all the things that happened or a great many of the things that did happen as far as the country's direction, starting with the virus, starting with other things like the the man that was a legal resident of the United States who went into Turkish embassy to get a, uh, his, uh, citizenship records in order to get married, ended up being assassinated inside and uh, and chopped up into a whatever, into a different, and, and with a scheme that had someone dressed as him to walk out in public to kind of create a, a confusion. But anyway, what I'm pointing out, a lot of things that you can look back on in the past year separate from the virus and, and say to yourself, gee, I, I, I don't know if I would want to continue the administration that's currently there. When when the president got elected four years ago, he had a, a p- platform and a position on issues, and draining the swamp was one of them. And a lot of, and I'm, I'm not trying to talk about Republicans or Democrats. I'm just trying to talk about the rational view people might have had, uh, if they thought like me, maybe, about how you would view the choices you did have. And uh, it's just amazing, I think, that with all the polls, with all the uh, Prognostications that were made, they were all wrong. And they were wrong four years ago. And th- they could be wrong uh, based on what happened two years ago because the, the Democrats made inroads in increasing the, the majority in the House. So that was kind of a uh, a clue that was going to happen this time, and it didn't. And as after, we're doing the show uh, the day after, and we got Monday... Uh, morning quarterbacks, and this is Wednesday afternoon, and even to this point, and probably not maybe even tomorrow, will we have a definitive decision, and even if we do, we're going to end up with legal cases that are going to court, and what will be interesting with the Supreme Court, one of the strategies the president has had is, in addition to the other issues that he, that f- favorably received by the public, is that To have conservatives on the Supreme Court and and view issues the same way that he does. And so now he's in a position, in theory, that if his total of the electoral college is less than the magic number that's needed, it's possible with a challenge that maybe one state or some votes won't count in more than one state, and that will will change the bottom-line results that we're looking at today, and, and therefore... A person who wasn't elected on Tuesday through a contested process by three months from now be designated as the president. And recalling what I mentioned earlier about um, Vice President Gore, he lost being president because he didn't carry F- Florida. And the final result in Florida was 529 votes. And they had a third candidate in that election. And and again, it's the that's the sort of thing that happens. If that candidate had not been in off uh, in the choices, and he got a lot of votes in Florida, Mike Gore had been elected president. Might things been different than they are today? But but that doesn't say that's how the system works. The system works by most times by what the poll numbers are. And then in this instance, in in that year, was the it was the court that made the decision and the court might be making the decision again in the near future. So you can't even tell today who is going to be the president, and it's going to make for an unsettling environment for a period of time. But it's it's been an election that so many people were wrong, and that's why that sign no longer applies. <laughs> and hopefully whatever happens will will best suit the people. But I don't know whether we're going to be in that position or not. But I the other, one other quick thing I wanted to talk about was a lawsuit made of counting votes votes after the uh, so Tuesday polls closed, and now all of a sudden, that really wasn't an issue before this year. Because for those of you unaware of it, if you were if you were in the military, they count votes from service personnel across the world for ten days after the after the election. So it's been Permissible routinely, in the past, and all of a sudden now it it doesn't necessarily hold true that you can do it if you're not in the service, but you can do it if you were in the military, and that doesn't make any sense. The other thing is part of that is that uh, I, I would almost think that um, that the more people that voted would be far better in the long run, and beneficial to the country because even now with all that activity that's been going on and about the huge increase in the voting numbers this election, under 60% of the people who are eligible do vote. So it's hard to fathom why you say, gee, why would so many people, almost 40% of the people that could vote, don't vote? Well, some of it may be that they're in states they don't think makes any difference what their vote is, if, particularly if they're not voting for someone that's popular in that area. And then, of course, there's an element within our population who uh, think that uh, all the politicians are the same, so it doesn't matter. And then I guess maybe there's some people who who have a problem with the language, and therefore they don't want to go in and try and read the ballots when they're confused with the with the English and then there's obviously other reasons why people don't vote. Some are legitimate. They're away. They're uh, they're out of the country. It's too in, it's inconvenient. Uh, there's last minute trust uh, you know difficulties in their life. There are illnesses that do occur. I mean, but when you add that up, in a community like Malden, uh, Greg had mentioned, there's over thirty thousand people eligible to vote. On a normal election, if you didn't have that new system in place, you might have a few hundred. Uh, maybe even a, few, a couple of thousand people who find a reason that has qualifies them to vote other than on Election Day. And those people could e- either do it over the counter at City Hall. And, th- you know, that'd be like students away at school or people that are out of town on business or people that have planned surgery. You know, all those things are, uh, are uh, eligible for, and reasons why you can vote over the counter or over through the mail other than on Election Day. But... Um, there are a lot of people that, even with all this convenience that he mentioned, didn't vote yesterday and in more than it wouldn't have made much difference because all the people that had positions are reelected and the margins were fairly significant and th- there was almost no elections contested and uh but there was certainly in the national election which usually brings out the most people and even when they did now, it was under sixty percent but anyway that's that's my uh my story went out, and again, I, I can't stru- stress too strongly, we're probably in for, a f- at a minimum, a few days that we'll be uh, watching news and then still talk about the election. Newspapers will still talk to you about the election. And maybe there'll be reasons why those people that boarded up their businesses and, and uh, took other security pr- options or uh, procedures uh, were anticipating something that might happen because... People get emotional when uh, they get involved in an election. But when you, uh, when you deal with the polls, as I mentioned, they were off, they were wrong again. Uh, it's a little like in 1936. Uh, President Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, was running for re-election. And there was a magazine, the Literary Digest, I think the name of it was. And they picked Al Landon to win, who was his opponent. And if I recall, he was a senator, I think, from Kansas. But in in any event, he was picked by the magazine to win the election against Roosevelt. And Roosevelt won in a landslide. And when they did a a recheck or analyze how they were off so far, uh, it, it was that they did the polls, as they often do, through the telephone. And, of course, the story was those were Depression days it would not be unusual for people not to have telephones. If there was an emergency came out, they would have to go to a neighbor's home or do some other thing. Maybe bring a red box, which was common as uh, for a fire fire department to be alerted to a, a fire. But in any event, um, that newspaper, uh, that magazine went out of business afterwards and so they lost their credibility. But now fast forward to, oh, that's 1936, fast forward to the current times and what's happened. A lot of people were not read, so obviously... Two things happened here. Trump had a had a, a base uh, vote that was his from four years before. S- strong as it was then, it's even stronger now, in spite of the, the difficulties the, uh, the country's gone through. And on top of that, the polls couldn't be accurate because there were a lot of people that never reached that would have some impact on the final number. And, and uh, one thing that I don't know whether that was really emphasized enough Korea has, this is South Korea, has a population of a little less than one-fifth of the United States. They have a population of about 60 million people. We have a population in the United States of about 330 million. We have suffered approaching 130,000 deaths from the virus that's afflicted the world. And... The numbers are rising. They're projecting that it's going to keep on going, that they talked about a a second surge, which we seem to be going through now. But Korea has lost, I think the last number that I saw was of their 60 million people. I think they had 400 deaths, one-fifth the size of the United States and they had under a thousand deaths and we have had a, a, we're approaching 130,000 deaths now whatever they did we couldn't have been doing and whatever they did when there was problems after the initial uh, uh, public concerns and it, it did have at one point they started to ease up on the restrictions and they reopened the the restaurants and they he reopened the bars and they reopened the gathering places and they had a surge, and so then they retrenched. And so maybe instead of doing it the way we're doing it, maybe we should follow what some other countries who have, in their own way, have proven successful in what they've done. And we haven't proven what we're doing works. And it's it's it maybe it's more than masks and social distancing, and it could be more testing. And uh, whatever the reason, countries have done, some have done better than us, those that have done worse than us initially, made some different ways of approaching and trying to solve the problem. We haven't done that, I don't think, to any great extent, and we're suffering now with the results of what's going on. And I think I've used up my time, but remember, before the Revolutionary War, Thomas uh, Paine did a speech at the House of Burgess in Virginia and and it talked about the crisis. These are times that try men's souls... And he referred to the summer, he's the time to trimensional to the summer soldiers and sunshine patriots. And we're going through that now. And I hope the results are favorable to the way it should work out in an gnarly fashion. So I appreciate you joining with me today. And I hope to talk about the recap next month.